Hello and welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast and this week's adult Bible study entitled Beyond Sunday, or at least our series is entitled Beyond Sunday, subtitled Taking Our Faith from Sunday and Living It Out Monday through Saturday. We're coming to the end of this series and specifically this section of the series, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. We will finish that up this week on this study that you're about to listen to and next week we will wrap up the whole series and uh, I'm really looking forward to that final message not cuz it's done this has been my favorite series but um uh, the, even today this morning as I was sitting in the church service God gave me an idea for how to wrap this series up and I'm looking forward to studying that this week so without further ado let's get you into the final 3 fruits of the spirit all right let, why don't you guys I'm going to go to Galatians 5 once you guys go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 1 Corinthians chapter 4 I may have you turn a couple times today if you choose to again you're adults so if you choose not to you choose not to but uh, I didn't give you a handout with a bunch of verses because I guess I was lazy this week but um, I do want to I, I want you to see a few verses we're, when we're talking about these last three fruit of the spirit, as it's been for the other six that I've discussed, it's kind of hard to. It's not like you're staying in one place. I could read to you Galatians five, which I will, and that's kind of our, uh, kind of our where we're leaping from because it's talking about the fruit of the spirit. But then we got to break down what are these fruit? How do we apply them to our lives? And so we have already discussed love, joy, and peace the first week. And what are the opposites? Let's just get you involved real quick because I think we can rapid fire this. What's the opposite of love? Selfishness. I was hoping to trick a few of you. Very good. I was hoping to trick a few of you. Everybody always says hate, but the opposite of love is actually selfishness because love is the sacrificial giving of myself for the benefit of another without selfish thought of return. And so often we think hate, but it's love. So very good. So now the ones that miss that are going to be like, I'm not saying another one. It doesn't matter. In this class, you can get everything wrong. All right. I get 90% of the stuff I say wrong and you're in my class. No, I'm just kidding. Opposite of joy frustration everybody's scared to death now i love it opposite this one's easy of peace let me ask the two in the front row what do you think is the opposite of peace no reason worry all right worry is the opposite of peace i wrote about that in this week's bulletin you'll see a little bit opposite of peace is worry then we talked about long suffering the opposite is quick temperedness we talked about uh, gentleness, the opposite is being harsh. That's a little tricky because we don't use the word harsh too often. The opposite of goodness, we talked about, is meanness, if that's a word, but being mean. But this week we come to the last three, faith, meekness, and temperance. Faith here in this context is the, is the Greek word faithfulness. And I was thinking about faithfulness, and we live in a society that lacks faithfulness. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. It's a great question that I think about often when I come to uh, that passage when I'm reading through Proverbs and I come to Proverbs chapter 20. And it's always a challenging question because it's God, in a sense, asking us, Everyone will proclaim their own goodness. If you just listen to some people, they'll tell you what they're good at. Oh, I'm good at this. I can do this and I can do this. Great. Wonderful. But he says, but a faithful man who can find. That's the idea behind this word in Galatians 5. I haven't reviewed any this week and I probably won't much, but I do want to read 
where we've been because it is important to remember the context and I want it to be sensitive to us as we go. Jackie told me this week, this today, or I don't know if it was today, but he'd listened to a podcast of mine sometime and I mentioned, maybe it was in this class or in the after class, about when I'm seeing a Volkswagen Jetta all the time and now I never saw one and now I do and he said he either was listening to that on the way here or did listen to that recently. And he looked in his rearview mirror and there was Michelle and her Volkswagen Jetta behind him and he thought, here we go. So not only am I stopping lights, but I'm making you aware of Volkswagen. Just, just kidding. But um, it's just, I want us to be aware of this text. And so listen again. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. That's the key. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's the series right there. But here's the problem with that. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. And the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. I asked my brother secretly. I don't have time for stories, but today, jokingly, I meant to say, he's got a dog over there. He'll never listen to the podcast, so he'll never hear this. But uh, he's got a dog over there. My bro- I'm not a dog person, but I have two dogs in my bed at the beginning of every night. So I'm a pushover, okay? My brother's not a dog person. And if that dog even walks in the house, it's going to be dead. That's my, so my brother's an extreme of what I am. Okay, I say I'm not a dog person, but I'm a pushover. My brother's not a dog person. And that dog's gotten out. That dog's been running around this whole area. This dog, that dog has been, I mean, it's absolutely out of control right now. So he was late for prayer because the dog, he is, that dog is out of control right now. Because that dog's been pinned up for two years. I mean, my brother keeps that thing in a pen the size of from me to Dan. I mean, he just does not want that dog out. That dog's going crazy. He's everywhere. So I asked him today real quick. I don't know why I'm saying this, but I just thought about it. I said, hey, Brian, you been in the flesh at all yet this morning? Are you ready? I said, you, you ready to teach? Because there's no way that guy, if he, if, he stayed, if, he, if he stayed in the spirit during that, then he's going to have a phenomenal Revelation chapter 3 lesson today. Now, I'm sure, I'm joking, I'm sure if he, if he got frustrated, he's giving it to the Lord and all that. But it's just, that's how practical it is every day, though. I mean, if, it is so practical. And so it sounds easy. Just walk in the Spirit. And you think, well, I want to. Why don't I? Well, the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. Your dog gets out. Your dog gets on your bed. Your husband says this or doesn't remember to do this and all of a sudden now that flesh is lusting against your spirit you know to do right but it's it's a battle so the flesh lusts against spirit the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would but if you be led of the spirit you're not under the law now the works are manifest works of the flesh are manifest which are these and then he lists 17 to 19 sins that we've already discussed ugly sins i'm not going to get to but then in verse 22 there's a light he says but the fruit, the outcome, the result of the Spirit, when you and I do walk in the Spirit, when you and I choose the Spirit over the flesh, when we walk in the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and then today we see faith, meekness, and temperance. So, faith. I started there, and I talked about most men will proclaim their, good, their goodness but a faithful man who can find, and I want you to think about the lack of faithfulness in our, tada, in our society today. We're in a short supply of it. There's lack of faithfulness to work. I mean, my, my uh, wife having to try to hire positions. I, I work with uh, close to Matthew's sister, Ashley, and she's trying to hire for positions. And, and, and just, you, it's hard to keep. And you, how many times you go to a restaurant and you got to wait and they say, what do they say? We're short-staffed. 
Where is everybody? It's hard to it's hard to find faithfulness. How about marriages today? There's a lack of faithfulness in marriages. Divorce rates are high. Adultery. I mean, everything that's going on in, in the marriages today. There's a lack of commitment today. People don't want to be. T- I mean, faithfulness is a struggle in the outside world, but it's a struggle even among the church. Why? Because the flesh wants to do its own thing. The spirit wants us to be faithful. So what is faithfulness and what's the opposite? Well, the opposite of faithfulness could be doubt or unbelief, some say, because when I doubt God, and it's talking about spiritually speaking here, when I doubt God, I'm not faithful to God. And, and so I, I, I'm trying to figure out how much I want to go here. I've t- talk, uh, spent a whole sermon before on each one of these fruits, and so I want to make sure I just kind of glean out the uh, parts of it for us, but I can't hardly talk about faith or faithfulness without first talking about God. You know, there's times I remember the boys last year, around this time, around hunting season, we decided we were going to go deer hunting, and the boys had to get camouflage. You know why? Because Dad was going to be wearing camouflage, and they wanted to look like Dad, so they got their stuff, and we all went out. I'm not, a, I mean, I hunt, but I'm not a big hunter. Like, I, I'm actually not even close to a big hunter. But I'll go out and took the boys. I didn't get anything, but it was fun. They had a good time, but they all dressed up because they wanted to be like Dad. And so they dressed up. Well, when I think about that, I think about this. We ought to desire faithfulness in our lives because God our Father is faithful. I remember sitting at college years ago and just, and just I was at work late at night. And I was thinking about this truth of God's faithfulness, and I wrote down some notes that are, that are actually in this lesson, whether they're, uh, they're supposed to be the same or not. But I wrote down a few things. I was just thinking about God being faithful. I think that night at college, a lady had sing a song called um, He's Been Faithful. Have you heard that song? Well, we have to sing it sometime. But she's saying He's Been Faithful. And I was sitting at work thinking about it, and I wrote down some notes. But when we were thinking about God, I wrote that God is faithful in temptation. And think about this in 1 Corinthians 10. We're going to get to your verse in a second, so stay there. But in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common unto man. But God is faithful. So when I go through temptation, when you go through temptation, which we know we're going to because we've been talking about the flesh, you're going to be tempted. We know that God is faithful. But how does that deal with my faithfulness? Well, we're going to get to that. So in temptation, we know God's faithful. We know God's faithful in forgiving sins. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And we know we're going to need that because we know we sin. We know the flesh lusteth against the spirit. And sometimes we give into that flesh and we sin. Well, what do we do? We know that God is faithful and we can come back to God and confess that sin and get right with him. So God is faithful in our temptation. God is faithful in forgiving. And God's faithful in our calling. I love 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. Faithful is he who calleth you, who also will do it. There's going to be times when God calls you to do something that you just think in your own strength. There's no way I can do this. There's no way. And you doubt, which is the opposite of faith. You doubt that you can move forward. You doubt that you can do what God is calling you to do. And the truth is, God is faithful, and if he's calling you to do that, and we often use this verse, and it's okay to do with ministry, but none of you are pastors, and neither am I. Neither, none of you are uh, evangelists or missionaries. And so, does that mean this verse just doesn't apply to us? No, because there's times when God may call us to walk across the street and talk to our neighbor about the gospel. I do hear a lot of lay people say, I can't do that. 
but faithful is he who calleth you. If God put that on your heart to do, if he's calling you to do it, he's faithful to equip you to do it. And so God is faithful in his calling. He's faithful in our temptations. He's faithful in forgiving sins. And not only is God faithful, but God's word is faithful. And we hear that so often. And so we, if we have a God who is faithful to us, and we have God's word that is faithful, and we can cling to its promises, we can cling to the principle of God's word, then the example of faithfulness is just set for us. But yet, as I said at the beginning, God said, a faithful man who can find. So why is it so often in churches and in our society today that we don't see people trying to be like their Heavenly Father, faithful? Why do we struggle with this? Well, it's because of the flesh. You're in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, right? Verse 2. Notice this verse. It says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And you say, well, I'm not a steward. Well, you are. You're a steward of the life that God has given you. You were steward of the gifts that God has given you. There's, there's many areas in which you are a steward. You're a steward of the friendships God has given you. You're a steward of the family that God has given you. A steward is something that takes care of something on others' behalf. And, and God has given you this life. He's given you salvation. He has given you so much. Every good gift, every perfect gift cometh from above. The Father above. He's given us so much. And we are stewards of this. You may remember later on in in 1 Corinthians when it says that your body is not your own. You're bought with a price. Your own body is not yours. We steward our health. And so if, if we are stewards of everything that God has given us, then it's required in us as stewards that we be found faithful. And I, I just wrote some things down. We need to be faithful at our work. We need to be faithful in our Christian work ethic and our testimony wherever we are. We need to be faithful to our family. Husbands, it says, love your wives. And wives, it says, submit to your husbands. And we're to, we're, we're to love one another and we're to care for one another. And, and our homes ought to be strong. We're to be faithful to church. As we heard a message on that, was it last Sunday morning, I believe? But we need to be faithful to our church and faithful in our giving, faithful in our witness. Think of every aspect of our lives. Are we characterized by faithful? Because that is what he's asking for us here is to be faithful. Now, at this point, you may start to get a little bit overwhelmed that if I would have spent more time on this, which I have in the past, and start talking about this, you may say, hey, you know, this is just impossible. How can I just stay consistent and be faithful in every situation of life? But that's why this is a fruit of what? The Spirit. It's not a fruit of bread. The fruit of bread is lack of faithfulness. The fruit of bread is doubt. And I, and I was thinking this as I was driving in here today this morning. So often, I think the root behind why we struggle with a lot of this, the situations we've talked about in this comes down to a doubt. Now, none of us would say we doubt God. We wouldn't want to say that. But where we struggle is shows an area of a doubt. We doubt God will take care of that situation. We doubt God is going to get the revenge that we want, so we get angry. We doubt that God is going to, and so whatever it may be, there's a lack, there's a little bit of doubt there. That's a lack of faithfulness. There's a little bit of doubt there that causes us to give in to the flesh. But it's required of us that we're faithful. The reason, because God our Heavenly Father is faithful, and the, the only way that we can do that in all aspects of our life 
is to say yielded to the Spirit. I've got to walk in the Spirit. And when I walk in the Spirit, I can be faithful and have a faithful testimony. And then I won't go into this point because here in a few weeks in the new series, I just I just outlined the new series for, for all the teachers. And in the new series, we're going to talk about Matthew. one of the lessons. will be on Matthew 25. But if I was following my outline today, it would be the reports of faithfulness. You know, we have a reason for faithfulness because God is faithful and because we're commanded to be faithful. There's a requirement in it. We're stewards, but there's a report of faithfulness. And if you went to Matthew 25, which we won't, well, as I said, we'll teach on it in several weeks from now. But there's, remember when he says he gave the talents, he gave five talents to one, he gave three talents to another and one to another. And, and one took and he doubled that. The other took and he just kept it. The one buried it. And when, the, when in the picture, the Lord came back, some, he, he rebuked the one that did not do anything. And he, re, and he gave some, a small rebuke to the one that just kept what he had. But he praised the one that took his talents and what he had was a good steward of it. And he says, you'll say, he said the, the phrase that we always hear in church, well done thou good and faithful servant. And so it's required of us to be faithful. And there will be a day of, in a sense, reckoning about our faithfulness. But my question comes back, and as we just kind of wrap up this fruit for today, and then we get to the next one, my question comes back to that opening verse that I read. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Are you faithful? If I just asked a series of questions right now, don't answer them out loud. Are you faithful in your worship to God? Are you faithful in your Bible study? Are you faithful in your prayer life? Are you a faithful witness? Are you a faithful giver? Are you faithful in living out the fruits of the Spirit? Are you faithful to your spouse? Are you a faithful testimony at work? If I just started listing all these, and they're not checklist things. It's just an area for us to say, hey, God, I really do need you. Because I've not always been a good steward in the areas that I need. I did hear this story. I read this this week. A pastor was approached by his deacons and some church members after the service, and they railed on him. They said the church isn't growing, and they railed on him. And, and by the way, if a church isn't growing, the pastor already knows, and his heart's already heavy about it. But these, these, church, these church people and deacons decided to rail on him about the church not growing. And, and um, I guess over the time, only one young boy had joined the church in the last year. The pastor left that meeting. Obviously, he was discouraged. He was wondering if God was even using him anymore. A few days later, that young boy, he asked the pastor, he said, do you think I could be a preacher or a missionary someday? The pastor was encouraged by this boy's comments, and he said, I, you know, I think you'll make a fine preacher someday. But he was discouraged. But years later, that little boy that the, that the deacons, that the church members overlooked, and they, they were railing on this pastor for one person. But years later, that missionary returned to London from Africa and his name was known throughout the entire land, and people flocked to where this missionary was. His name was Robert Moffat. I used to have to read a, I had to read his biography. And he was a missionary to Africa, and he brought many souls to Christ, and even some of Africa's most savage chiefs were saved under this guy's ministry. And he was the same young boy that asked that preacher, do you think I could be used one day? And you know, in that time period, those people railed on that pastor, and I don't know the end of the story. I was, going, I was researched it some. I think he ended up having to leave. But he saw one convert and one join the church. But that one led to many souls coming to know Christ. And the lesson in that is just be faithful. Just be faithful. 
You may be, you may be uh, teaching a kid's class one time and you think, there's nothing coming of this. You don't know what's going to come from those kids. Just be faithful. Don't, don't get discouraged where you are. So faithfulness is the first one, but the second one is extremely difficult to define, all right? He says not only faith, but he says meekness. So faith, faithfulness, and then meekness. Now, meekness, a couple, I remember researching this before. This is the hardest Greek word to define. When you translate it from Greek to English, because there's no one word that just defines meekness. It's actually, if it ta- it's like taking four words and putting it together. So imagine if I put a bowl here to try to make meekness, and I put in, first of all, I put in a little bit of humility. Because the word meekness has the idea of a humility. It's someone who dies to themselves. It's someone who's not about his rights or his ways. But it's not just that, or, or else the word would be humility. So then we got to put in a little bit of gentleness, which is another fruit of the Spirit. The person that's meek is not only humil- humble, but they've got a mildness and a kindness about them when dealing with other people. But it's not just gentleness, or else they would just say gentleness. So you put in a little dab also of self-control or discipline, which is temperance, which I'm going to talk about next. Someone is able to control their spirit and control their mind, but that's, or, or you would just say temperance, which is the very next fruit. But it's also got the idea of submission. A meek person is submitted to God. You put all of those four together and you get this idea of the word meekness. The opposite is, I studied, is really someone that's at discord. You know someone that just fights with everybody? They're at discord. They go to, they're at home, they're causing discord. They go to work, they cause discord. They get on Facebook, they all, Facebook is discord, and they just, they're, they love, they live that up. I mean, because they can just cause discord and argue with everybody. Everywhere they go, they cause discord. There's someone that does not have the spirit of meekness. And so if controversy or conflict follows you everywhere you go, you probably struggle with this fruit of the spirit. You definitely struggle with this fruit of the spirit. No, probably to it. Meekness. Some common myths, though, about meekness is that meekness is weakness, that meekness is cowardly because of the humility part, because of the gentleness part, because of the self-control part, not maybe lashing back out. But these are just myths, and the illustration that is always used, almost any time I hear a preacher talk about meekness, they almost always use this illustration, but it's because it's a great illustration. It's that of a horse. When you have a horse that is unbroken, it runs free, yes, but it's of no use to a master. It's it's unbroken. It's dangerous. But when you have a horse that is broken, it's it, the, the the master puts that the bridle on him and puts and it breaks him. He becomes submissive. He becomes gentle. He becomes self controlled. Let me ask you this: Does that animal lose any of its power? Well, that's a powerful animal. I love horses. Powerful animal. But now it's under control and it's useful to its master. When you and I run free and have no self-control, no gentleness, no humility about us, no submission, we are just out of control. We're, we're not, as the one verse says, meat for the master's use. We're not ready to be used for the master. But when God, when we allow God to break us in the sense that we are submitted to him and humble and gentle and now we are ready to be used of God. It's not weakness. It's discipline under control. It is, it's, a, it's ready to be used of God. Someone said a, talked about a gentle breeze. That wind, when it's under control, it's soft, it's gentle, but it can push a windmill and it can create power. We've seen wind out of control out of this last couple uh, weeks or this last week, but 
The model of meekness is, is Jesus again himself. He says in Matthew chapter 11, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. He is meek and lowly. But this is, a, this is the next part that I just kind of want to zero in on real quick before I move to temperance, is the ministry of meekness. And I've always loved this part. Go to Galatians real quick. We're already, I'm in Galatians, so jump over to Galatians. Go to chap, verse, chapter 6. I want you to see the ministry of meekness. This does come down because, you know, there's going to be some times, especially as you grow as a Christian, you're going to see other Christians, maybe even in your family, that are not growing as fast as maybe you are. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to get frustrated. You're going to see some other Christians that get into sin, and it gets frustrating. So how do we handle that? Well, Galatians chapter 6, I'm gonna, it's verse 2 I want to get to. I'm going to look at verse 1. I think it's actually verse 1. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Now what is meekness again? It's got gentleness. It's got humility. It's got self-control. So I am to help someone that's overcoming a fault. Can we say that someone that's given in to their flesh? That we, you've come through this whole series and we're talking about walking in the Spirit and not walking in the flesh. And maybe you leave here and all of a sudden you go out and you start seeing your spouse or a family member walking in the flesh. And you want to say, hey, there's the flesh right there. That is absolutely terrible. Didn't you remember what he said in class? Whoa, is that the spirit of meekness? Spirit of meekness, was that under control? Was that gentle? Was that submitted to the Lord? Or was you reacting because you don't like how they are acting? And you're struggling with the fruit of the Spirit, long-suffering. So it, we got to minister people with the spirit of meekness. And again, meekness is not weakness. It doesn't mean that you cannot call that out, but you're submitted to God. Did God tell you, did God move in your heart to deal with that sin, is it your place to do that? Is it your position to do that? Is it the right time to do that? Has God moved in your heart to do that? If no, then just be quiet. There's a gift sometimes in just being quiet. Some of us, the greatest lesson we can learn is just be quiet. It may not be our spot. There's other times, others of us, that we need to be more talkative. God moves in us and we don't obey. We quench the Spirit as we talked about in another lesson. But the ministry of meekness, another passage I love, I'll just read it to you. I just, I've, I've always loved this passage. But in 2 Timothy 2.24, it says this, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Man, that's a great, it's a great thought. Someone that opposes themselves. As a Christian, you, someone that's going and living in sin, they're opposing themselves, what they know they should be doing, what the Spirit of God is trying to work, but they're opposing themselves. We're to restore that one. In, in meekness, it says we're to instruct those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure, if God would, give them repentance until the knowledge of the truth. It's not that God wouldn't, but they may not, because the next verse says, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. I used to use this passage right here when I worked with people in addictions in Reformers Unanimous. 
I said they're opposing themselves, many of them. They just don't stop. They just get in it, and they hate it. And you talk to someone that they, for early on, they say, I just hate it. I hate it. I hate it that I keep running back to this drug or running back to this alcohol or running back to this pornography. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. But I just keep doing it, and they're opposing themselves. They're taken captive. and They're, they're in the snare of the devil. And it says in the last part I didn't read, who are taken captive by him at his will, at Satan's will. Satan's will, he just snaps his finger and says, hey, go grab that. And they do it. I mean, it's just they're so overcome by that. But he says, you and I are to restore that person in the spirit of meekness. Instruct them in the spirit of meekness. And that's the opposite of some. I, personally, this has been a passage to me that I've, when I was a pastor, I, locked, I looked over this passage a lot. Because I remember one pastor telling me, he said, I like to get on Twitter just to argue with people. He said, I just get on there and debate with people and argue with people. And I... I, I, I didn't have the spirit of striving with him at that time, but I thought, I don't know that that's biblical. Because the Bible says that we're, the, we're, to have, we're not to strive. I'm not to be looking for strife. Sometimes strife's there. Sometimes people just uh, preach heresy or say things that are heresy, and, I've, and we have to stand against that. But I don't have to go looking for problems. I don't, have to, I don't need to go looking at Ryan Nicole's home and say, all right, what's the problem in your home today? I don't need to go looking for it. Now, if Ryan wants to act wrong, then I'm going to get on to him a little bit. But I have, I, I have the position to do that with Ryan because he's a friend of mine. I have, he, probably, he's, he would give it to me just like he could. he's more than welcome to correct me anytime. But some of you, if I don't know you real well, I'm not going to go to your house and start saying, I can't believe you do this. Well, I can't believe you do that. It's not our position. But in the spirit of meekness, with gentleness, be apt to teach, patient, in meekness, that sometime go study Second Timothy two. If you're going to minister to people and be a counselor to people or help people, that's a great passage. But so in meekness, we're to minister. In a meekness, we reach others for Christ. It says, "But sanctify the Lord God." In First Peter three, sanctify God in your hearts and be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you through the reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. So even if you're reaching other people with the gospel, have the spirit of meekness. Remember, what is meekness? The opposite. It may be helpful to know the opposite. The opposite is discord. I'm not trying to cause discord with you. I'm going to have a spirit of meekness and try to share with you the truth with patience and gentleness and submission. All of this, I'm going to try to share the truth with you. Don't be a person that just stirs up discord everywhere you go. And there are a lot of people like that that find their ways to churches. And uh, in, in meekness, we're to receive God's word. It, 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 but then the reward, I won't have time, but in Psalm 25, if you want to go over and look at the reward sometime in Psalm 25, the reward of meekness is God, it says that God guides the meek, and it says God guides the meek in his ways. There's just something about the meek, and that there's promise that God gives in Psalm 25 that he will guide them in the way that they should go. But let me give you this last one. In the last few minutes, I don't have time. But this is, I'm getting ready to read a whole book on this one right here so in my just personal life. But this last one is temperance. Temperance. And temperance, a lot of people define it as self-control. And it is if, in a worldly perspective. I, don't, I define it as not self-control. Temperance is spirit control. It's, a, it's, a, it's actually spirit controls. For the world, the outside world, in this book that I'm going to read, he's not a Christian, he's going to say self-control. Okay. But why I'm reading this book of his is because he's taking everything from the Stoic philosophy, which is everything, a lot of the Stoics just took everything from Christianity. And I really want to read it because I think that everything he's going to say is actually going to be biblical. And it's actually going to be in the Bible because temperance is spirit control. It's, it's allowing... God's spirit to control me. 
So temperance is displayed in the physical life with eating. Uh, we often hear about gluttony, and there's the joke sometimes people that are just like to cause discord. They all oh, the preachers never preach on, look at them, they're overweight, and they never preach on eating. Okay. Actually, I've heard some do that. But actually, I've heard some. But it is that, that it's an okay phrase because temperance deals with our physical. It can deal with eating. It deals with drugs and alcohol. It deals with lust. So in the physical life, do we have spirit control, discipline, self-control? Do we have that in our lives when it comes to these? Um, it's a person that is filled with the spirit that has the ability to say no. That's temperance. Temperance is displayed not only in physical life, it's displayed in our speech. Some of, can't, some of us can't control our tongue. The things that we say show that we have no discipline over our tongue. And it's a fruit of the spirit that we need to work on our flesh and with, whether it be lying, whether it be, some people just, they just lie. They open their mouth, they just lie. Foul language, gossip. Temperance is displayed in our attitudes. It's anger, depression. We, we just can't, we, and I understand there, there's different forms of depression, but I'm talking about the type that just, they're always looking at the negative of everything, and so they be, find themselves down all the time, or they're angry, they can't control their, te- their emotions. Temperance, I mean, it's, it's the ability to be spirit-led, and say no to the things that are wrong. It's basically everything that we've talked about in the last eight. This one here is, gives you the discipline to say, I'm going to do it. I want to read one verse because I've got to go because my time is already up. But I want to read so many things I want to say about this one because this is the one I wanted to get to and I didn't get to it. I love temperance. Um, last four months I've been tracking things and just trying to work on being disciplined in physical areas of my life, mental areas of my life. Um, food areas in my life I've been trying to be disciplined in areas this has been one that I've been thinking about but I want to read to you to close what Paul said I think it's 1 Corinthians 9 I hope I'm right because if not then we're going to get into a bad spot but I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 9 it is in the last couple of verses Paul is just writing here and I, Paul I mean can we I think we can all agree that Paul was just an amazing Christian I mean wrote two thirds of the New Testament called out of the life that he was God used him greatly but listen to this Paul said, and every man that striveth for the mastery, and striveth for the mastery is old English, but he's saying everyone that that wants to win the prize. You may not be competitive in here, but there's a few of us that are, and you want to win. If you're doing something, I I mean, Ryan played in a softball tournament all day yesterday. He got second, and you were smiling way too much for getting second place, maybe just because you survived the day. But that's all right. He smiled. But I guarantee this guy wanted to win. Know it. When you do something, you want to win. You strive for the mastery. But he says, everyone that's striving for the mastery is temperate in all things. They're disciplined. Hey, the Olympians, they, the reason they get to that place is because they are disciplined. They don't sit around on the, on the couch and eat potato chips for four years and then go compete in the Olympics. That's called Brad McClure. You know, right? It doesn't happen. All right, It just doesn't happen. They are very disciplined and regiment, and they're scheduled. That's how they're able to get there. And they're talented, but that's how. But he said this, now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. They do it to obtain something that's going to fade away. Even a gold medal from the Olympics is going to fade away. It's, it, but they do it. They're disciplined to get something that will fade away. But we, he says, in, incorruptible. So then Paul says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. I'm not just, I'm not just wasting my time, he says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Here's what he's saying. He goes, I've tried to live my life disciplined. Because people will discipline themselves to win something that's temporal. But he says, I realize that what we are doing is for God. 
and what we're doing matters in the afterlife, in heaven. And we're setting up treasures in heaven. He says, so I've decided that I'm going to discipline myself. What was Paul talking about? I think he disciplined himself physically, emotionally. I don't think he was running around with, with people he shouldn't be. I don't think he was saying that. He was so disciplined in his life. Because he said, I don't want to be a castaway. I hope that you'd leave here today in these last three fruit of the Spirit and say, you know what? I want to bring discipline to my life. I don't want to be out of control. I want to discipline myself and in this situation to live and walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I hope and pray that that is yours. As you leave this, we got one more lesson left, but as we leave the fruit of the Spirit, my prayer is that you leave here saying, I want to discipline myself. I'm going to set some things in place so that I can walk in the Spirit and not constantly be defeated by the flesh. Let's pray.